Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. The share-it-with-a-friend deal, even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. never prayed, but tonight I'm on my knees. I need to hear some sounds that recognise the pain in me. I let the melody rise, let it cleanse my mind. I feel free now, but the airways are clean and there's no one singing to me now. Ladies and gentlemen, we're now floating in Screamer Selica. My name's Kevin Graham, and as usual on a Tuesday evening, I'm, not, I'm now joined by the rock and roll star himself, Russell Boyce. <laughs> Boyce uh, what's, happen- what's happening? 
I, I was just showing off the glasses. I got them for three ninety nine. I'm not going to actually sit and do the show wearing them, right? That would be a wee bit silly. But for three pound ninety nine, you don't get you don't get a pint for three ninety nine, new Kev. You know, well, I just thought I better, I better showcase these wee babies. You know what I mean? Well, but I no, of course. Scheme of silica comes first. Professional as always, mate. I, I didn't drink any beer, so I didn't care the name. I didn't care how much a pint is. So, so I haven't been in a pub for well, I've been in pubs, eh? But as I say, uh, I, I, I was in a, I was at a meeting the other week there, and I and I got around them, and it was a Guinness, a lager, and a can of cola, and it was nine quid, and you were like, you could have picked me up off the flare, nine, nine quid, man, nine pounds, that's unbelievable, man. For a bit of context, I was in Stirling picking up a dog on Thursday evening. And uh-huh. I, I, it's a long couple of buses, right? Busting for the toilet, right? So I went to Molly Malone's. You'll be familiar with that. Mm-hmm. I was like, look, I'll buy for a juice, like I'll pay for a juice, but I'm like literally just coming to use your facilities, really. Um, £2.40, mate, for a can of iron brew. Ooh, tough, eh? Tough gig. Tough gig. Most expensive beer I've ever done, mate. I know. Definitely. That that should be a question to the viewers. What's the most expensive pee that you've ever done? That's a good question. That. That, that's a good, good question. question. Russell, you're going to need to talk us through that shirt. So, um, some of you might be familiar with the fact that I have, sadly, I mean, it's got it got pathetic, Kev, really, let's be honest. Me and you started doing the Monday Club a long time ago, um, and wearing a different Adidas original became a thing in my brain probably no one else's let's be honest no one else cares <laughs> but in my brain I'm like can't I let them do got to wear a different one every time and for some reason I then did the exact same thing again with Scream of Silicon and he wear a different shirt every show so I put all this pressure on myself and then I remember today I have the mix of both an Adidas original actual shirt I couldn't think of a better person to to be sharing my joy of having wearing this shirt, Kev, than yourself. You know what I mean? Thank you very much. That's a cracker of a shirt. I've never seen an Adidas dress shirt no. And I'm really just quite puzzled that you had forgot how you were, like, you forgot that you had it. Mate, I, mean, I swear, I, I remember wearing it to a guy called Stephen Jeffrey's wedding. He's a good guy, him. And he was like, what is that shirt you're wearing underneath you? Like, I wore a kilt. <laughs> but he went, is that Adidas? And I was like, I know, I know, it's pretty petty. And that's why I bought it. And I completely forgot I owned it. I think I've won this five times in the 10 years I've owned it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, there you go. It's getting its six out in this evening. Um, now, we're in the middle of a festival of football. Yes. And we're going to go back to a festival of football, which was 21 years ago. And yep. my T-shirt relates to the man that we're going to be speaking about. The uh, man of the match. The, the man of the match it. that we're going to be speaking about. Now, this T-shirt is from, as a company I mentioned last week, CS Terrace Tees. If you search for them on Twitter under CS Terrace Tees, you, you'll find them, or it's com. Uh, go, and give the, go and give the comrade a bit of a check out. It's fantastic gear. He's got, cool. whole, he's got whole loads of stuff there, a whole load of Celtic gear and that. So go and help a, go and help a brother out here. Eh? Um, and, and I'm humbled that he sent me, sent me this tonight. And especially That's for cool. what we're going to 
especially what we're going to be talking about tonight as well. Eh? So, Euros 2000, and we're going back to, it was Belgium and Holland in the year 2000, yes. but we're going to Holland, we're going to Eindhoven on the 19th of June, eh, on the 19th of June. That's when Sweden were playing Italy and the Phillips Arena. Was it the Phillips Arena or the, Phil- the Phillips Stadion, I'm going to call it? Very good. Stadion sounds better. And over. <laughs> and it was the final game of Group B. And in Group B, no, can you remember who Sweden be in their group to qualify for this tournament? England. England, that is correct. They, they, and I think Johan Melby may have scored the goal. He did. He did that, yes. <laughs> but England also made this tournament. Who did they beat in the playoff? Scotland. Scotland. Despite so, Don Hutchison scoring a header at Wembley. Wembley, so there you go. This week in this mod uh, in this modern day fiesta football, we've got a we've got a like a link to what's going to happen on Friday. Yes. And I, I felt the game we've done today is completely different for us to have done. Like we've always done a Celtic link. Even last week the Ireland link was very much Celtic player related. I suppose there is a, a slight oh, like that. I just plenty, thought there, there's plenty of Celtic links in this. There is, though. It turns out there is, which again, like you always say, go down the rabbit hole. Once you pick a game, go down the rabbit hole. And you're right. You start thinking of Freddie Lindbergh and stuff, but Celtic everywhere here. Yes, there is but, Celtic um, everywhere. But I just thought it'd be quite refreshing to pick two nations not associated with. Celtic or Scotland or Ireland, like, but yet we'll twist it and we'll, we'll, we'll manipulate it to being still amazingly Celtic related. Of course, and we will. Of course, it's we will. a fascinating game. It was a fascinating game. Now, it was the last game, as I say, it was the last game in Group B. Yep. Uh, Sweden basically needed to win to have any chance of qualification for the knockout stages. Um, they had. They'd already played Belgium and Turkey. They had gone, they had got, got beaten two one from Belgium. Big uh, big Johan Melby scored the speed speed goal that day against Belgium as well. And they had a nil nil draw with Turkey. The Italians were going into this game already qualified, and they had beat Turkey two one and beat Belgium two nothing. Yeah. So so th- th- this was this was a tough ask for the speeds to go in, and they made eight changes. Mm. That's the maddest thing. The Italy team has eight changes in it, and yet it looks like it looks like to me the sort of squad when you read the names off, you go, "That would be, that would be a tournament could win right now." Definitely, De- definitely. I mean, I, I didn't realise they had made eight changes, but when eight. I looked when I looked in the team, there were some names I was surprised at. But then it's twenty years ago. I was like, "Well, maybe I wasn't." Oh, of course. I, 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 my mind's not as sharp as it used to be, and mm-hmm. but this was an Italian team that played like an Italian team. If you know what I mean, you, you see that Italian team on Friday night, which played nothing like an Italian team. <laughs> like you're going, what's this? I mean, I, I, I'm the guy who you're so right. You're so right. So I'm the guy who's backed Italy in every major tournament since I've been old enough to bet. 
because because right. they're, they're always there or thereabouts. It doesn't matter how terrible they are, they always get to the knockout stages. Or there's a couple of tournaments where that hasn't happened right enough, eh? And I'm watching, and I'm watching that on Friday night, and I'm going, they've started too well here. I want them, I want them, I want them to lump into a tournament. Kev, <laughs> Kev, we were talking about clothes earlier. When Roberto Mancini is on the touchline looking like that, they've got every chance, no matter what style of football they play. That grey jacket, the suit, oh, come on. He looked, he looked a dream, didn't he? He wanted to be about 55 years old. Rocking oh, he might be older than that, actually. Man, Mancini could be older than that. Could be older than fifty-five. What did you get? I'm going to say fifty-six, Max. Oh, what did you get? I'm sure he was born. And we're the numbers. Remember, I told you. I, I know, I know, I know. And I can that you're big on Italian football. Um, what, did, what, what did you think of the Scotland get up yesterday? The the suits that they had on. I don't know. I thought we 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 all were guilty of setting ourselves up for a fall yesterday, mate. The suits included. <laughs> it was just one of those ones where I was I, I was hook line and sinker as well, by the way. So don't think I'm being smug about it. I'm really not. I just think we were all convinced that yesterday we would take care of the checks and wow. Wow, reality is horrible, it's, isn't it? It's, it's, typical, it's typical Scotland hubris, isn't it? Uh, Liam Dominic Callow comes in for Facebook. Mancini is 56 year old. So there you go. There you go. 65 years old, I'm telling you. Uh, you're, 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 that's, I'm uh, that's, weird as anything, mate. I'm weird. That's some rain man going on there, eh? Uh, yeah, as, de as definitely. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll have a quick run through the Italian team then. Eh? Ingles was Toldo, eh, then Ferreira, eh, Paolo ne Negro. Eh, <laughs> uh, is that, who was that? Already, mate. Aye, aye. I can't read my own writing. That's my problem. <laughs> and, and, and that's with the bin zone. Mark... Mark Uliano, Gianluca Piesto, Paolo Mandini, Luigi Di Baggio, Massimo Ambrosini, the one and only Del, Pere Del Piero, and Vincenzo Montella. And as you say, uh, eight changes. Uh, eight changes in that team. And that team is still frightening. Frightening. It's still, it's still like, I mean, there's one, two, three. Four UV players, the goalkeepers for Fiorentina, uh, Lazio, Milan. That What's Toldo. that? Went to Milan that summer, right? Million that summer, I'm sure. Uh, uh, Liam Dominic Colo, there you go. Uh, Colo, uh, I think I've said your surname right. You can be, I'm terrible with names. Good to be faces, terrible with names. Uh, but that's a fan. I love Montella. I love Montella as a player. I mean, Del Piero's just Del Good. Piero, eh? but I like Montella. Uh, he, he, he I think, my, if my memory's right, the eight changes, funnily enough, Del Piero was not a starter for Italy at that time. Which is frightening as well, eh? Mental. Like, that is absolutely insane. frightening as well. And we'll get to it, but the goalie scores in this game. Oh, what effortless. So oh. good. The, the Swedish team, no. This this was the point where Scotland didn't qualify for tournaments. And we did actually just naturally migrate to support in Sweden. Because there was a, a there was a million percent. Because there was like 
the Scandinavian, they had Johan Melby, they had Henrik Larsson. And so we says, oh, Sweden's your team when we got to these tournaments. And even last night, what I was really surprised about when I saw this team, that Mikael Lustig was the playing right back. He must have been suspended for the. He must have been suspended for the tournament or something, eh? Because oh, he must have been. Seb Larson not playing midfield confused me a wee bit as well. <laughs> uh, aye, aye. It's, that's unbelievable that Lustig. Uh, that Lustig. Was again, I know. Lustig again last night and that was sore last night that's the first time I've watched a game coming through that stadium since 2003 because mm. that was a civil stadium and even when oh, when, the, oh, when the camera when the camera panned I could actually pick myself where I actually was in that stadium uh, which was and that's the first game I've watched since 2003 I never I never really joined those dots I'm honest with you mm. That's what I, I, I feel a wee bit. I feel a wee bit like I've let Celtic down not joining those dots last night. I never even clicked. You could pick the football gods yesterday. I felt were picking on me, Mikael Lustig in that stadium in Seville. They, they were picking on me. No, <laughs> they, they, they were having, they were having a, a wee chuckle at themselves. The, the Swedish side. So the, 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 there's the, there's plenty of Celtic interest in this. Plenty of Celtic interest in that. Totally mad. In goals is Marcus Hedman. Magnus. Then, then you've got Olaf Melbourne. No, Marcus. Marcus Hedman. Is that what I say, sir? <laughs> what, what's it? What, the, what is Magnus. his name? Ma- Magnus. Magnus. Right. <laughs> Magnus Hedman. Marcus Hedman. Magnus Hedman. Right. Same thing. Better, actually. Uh, Olaf Melberg, who we were linked with as well quite a few times. Yes. Patrick Anderson. Joachim Borkland. But he had already played uh, Rangers, Rangers, Rangers player. Yep. Thomas Gustafsson, Johan Mialbe, Magnus Svensson, Hakan Mild, 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 I better say Mild, it right. Freddie Lundberg, Osman Ofsky, and Henrik up front. Uh, so, again, how many Celtic players are in that? You've won four Celtic players eventually. Mad. And there's still connotations with other ones as well. You know, it's... I know. The rivals, for example, you know, it's... It's funny that... I think there's... I think there's a huge affinity with Celtic in Sweden for some reason. I don't know if it's maybe just all based on Henrik and then we just feed off any other link because we're that desperate to keep the Henrik link going forever because he is truly, to me, the icon of all icons that I've ever known. And in my Celtic sport life, and I know Tony, for example, uh, he talks about Kenny Dalglish. I genuinely believe Henrik Larson is my like what what Dalglish is to Tony. I think Henrik Larson is that I voices guy. You know, Larson's that to me as well. And yeah. it's when you do talk to an older generation now, and even guys like my dad's age and that who saw the Lions and the great for Celtic were a European yes. giant, and even they say, "Oh, Larson was." One of the best, but and they've they've got no qualms of saying that whatsoever. Yeah. There, there's yeah. no argument. There's no aye, but that was a that was in a different era. They couldn't lace this man's boots, that one's boots. There's no argument from that generation. They go, oh, yeah. no, Larson's up there with them. Oh, so 
This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I think that's why, I mean, Larson, this was Larson coming back from his leg break and he had to play 20 minutes for Celtic before he went to the squad in the Euros. And he played all three games for Sweden in, in, in the Euros after coming on as a 61st-minute sub for Ile Berkovic against Dundee United with a moustache before producer Paul comes in because that's been a... He did have one of those pencil moustache. He did, he did, he did. He did. That, you, that you see off like 16-year-olds and up the strip in Tenerife when they're trying to get mm. in the pubs. <laughs> A cat looks at them the wrong way and they get a shave. <laughs> so, I can relate. I can relate. So it's a strong Sweden side. It's also like, also I think that we like the Swedes as well because there's a British element to them. There's always a lot of Swedes played in Britain. So yeah. you know so you know them. And the fact is the, the best player of your generation is playing for Sweden always means that you want them to go well. Oh, and then, then on that, by this point, You've got Big Johan as well, who's also became a sort of cult player by this point, like for Celtic, a good player for Celtic at this point. And he's playing, the Albion, this game's playing at the, the, the base of a diamond. And a I know, too. I know. And it, it's funny because, was it maybe O'Neill who actually kind of influenced that shift to centre-back from Albion? He like, did, yes. Albion is someone to me who fits... Martin O'Neill's prototype centre-half or left-back or right-back. In fact, anyone who plays in a back four or five who is six foot four and built like a you-know-what house, that is what Martin O'Neill looked for. I mean, he did it at Villa. I remember he had this guy, Wilfred Bauma, at left-back who was just an absolute machine. And you thought, that's a centre-half you've got playing at left-back, isn't it, really? For being on it. It's just what he does. He moulds players like that. I actually think it benefited me I'll be playing uh, centre-back. I thought Mialbi came to the fore at Celtic as a centre-half. I remember him much more as a centre-back than I do as a, a, a DM. Mm-hmm. I, I know, and I was O'Neill. Uh, uh, I mean, he was signed as a defensive midfielder for Celtic. His first game, the 5-1 game against Rangers, he played as a defensive midfielder. And it wasn't until Martin O'Neill season put him in the middle of a three because uh, they saw that he's... I think, what is it, no-nonsense style, if you want to use the cliché of f- football clichés, uh, the no-nonsense style, he was robust. Absolutely. And, and he was a Martin O'Neill-type player. And he, he, he was. He, and he knew he was an intelligent player as well. He wasn't the quickest, but he used his football intelligence really, really well. And, and it's, something, uh, it's something that we probably need to talk about because, like... Henrik Larson gets all the glory, but Johan Mialbe was at Celtic for six years as well. He was at Celtic for six years, three league titles, two Scottish Cups, two League Cups. Then he comes back as assistant manager with Lennon and like and he, three, league looked, titles, three league titles in a row with, with, with Lenny. And as he came back as, as assistant manager, maybe just me or you, he was better looking when he came back as assistant manager, wasn't he? 
Yeah, well, like, he, he's, like, he's aged extremely well. Mm-hmm. Like, Tomo had a wee bit of grey wisps in his hair, and you knew Alan Thompson was our former player. I mean, Albie looked ready to put the strip on again, you know what I mean? He looked awesome. <laughs> and I always thing. remember that tunnel stuff. Remember the tunnel stuff with obviously McCoyster and all that? Uh, it was me, Albie, that stuck out for me there. He was ready. It he was, was that, gonna, it was, I don't like that about him. I mean, there, there are stories where Mialbi was like a sort of enforcer in the dressing room as well with that side and an enforcer with the coaching staff as well. And for some of the stories that have been told, he liked leaving a, a, a reducer and on training on certain players as well mm-hmm. if, if, they, if they were getting a bit too big for these boots because, as you yeah. say, he still looked fit enough and him and the coaching staff did actually take part in some of the training sessions and if he wanted to, if he wanted to settle a few scores he did I think he I think he also kept Neil Lennon on a tight leash he did but you argue I get the vibe that for all Lennon's faults and for all we've we've, we've criticised Neil Lennon for his second spell at the club I'll always go back to the fact he didn't have any of his own team two arguments to that Firstly, you accepted that decision, mate. You like mm-hmm. so you, you you know you you started tying the noose around your own neck. But the flip side is, forget about that and go. What would have happened if he did have you and be back beside him this second time? Does it change anything? Maybe not that much, but I certainly think you'd have benefited from it. So certainly, you and Albie would have went. You are not going out and doing that Dubai speech. Just any bother. Like I think Albie had him. Um, on quite a tight rein. I mean, Albie was someone who strikes me as very professional and had that level, probably above Neil Lennon's, in fairness, no offence, but I think Neil Lennon maybe is guilty of old school, old school. And I think you and Albie is very much with someone like, no, no, no. I mean, you know, come on. We need to, we need to lift it a bit. But an absolute Swedish icon, mate. You're absolutely spot on. Six years he gave us. I know six years, six years and f- four years in the coaching staff as well. Eh? I mean, he, he's played a ma- Celtic have made a played a major part in his life, and he's played a major part in Celtics. Thank uh, And uh, this modern Celtic in the last the last twenty years. I mean, this game it's a thirty thousand sellout, and Big Johan has the first chance as a corner comes in and a towering header at the back. Typical header. Uh, and it's DiBaggio clears it off the line because it's it's bet Aldo hands down, eh? And 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 he's got that like I love that I love that Sweden kit. That Sweden kit's a cool. classic Sweden, Sweden kit. Is. And big big bit Albi just looks good in it. He just looks. It's utterly it's utterly. He's gloriously handsome, big Johan. What's that? He's gloriously handsome, you know. Yes. And a team of a team of like sort of robust sort of dirty not dirty players, but you know, they played they didn't need to play ugly. Mialbe was like doing the exact same as the rest, but just doing it looking awesome. I like that. Like uh what's what's that American American apparel model? It looks like a surf dude. It looked look like an extra for Baywatch. It reminds me of uh, Drago. Aye, aye that, well, that's how we got the name, nickname Dolph. Eh? Uh, football players have been very original with nicknames once again. Of course. Uh, 
Adam Crockett comes in and he says, what would you guys give for a Johan player now, Captain? Eh? Oh, we would love a Johan player. Johan's a player that... Can... Johan Mialbe was something that maybe um, came in as captain occasionally. Like, mm-hmm. was maybe like your, your vice-vice captain, so I think like he was a leader, wasn't he? He was oh, doing the job anyway at the back. You know, you, aye, definitely. We just don't have that Kev at all right now. The team looked good. If I if I was Christopher Iyer, I'd be watching the YouTube videos of Johan Mialbe and going, that's, like, uh, that's how you use your physique. That's how you use your presence. That's how you use God's gift. To, and do you to know your, what? Johan Mialbe, just talk about Johan Mialbe. Johan Mialbe then went on, I think people forget this, World Cup 2002, I could be wrong, I think I'm right, he made the team of the, the tournament. So he did uh, that. Alongside your turn, and then for me at that point, was you and me? I'll be ever crying about booing and huffing and puffing about leaving Celtic. No, and yet you get guys who have 60 minutes of good football in their whole career, they cannot wait to get to that exit and think that you know, playing for Southampton's a bigger deal. It's not, it's It's not, but but we're having a look at this tournament, and yes, sorry. Well, have a look, but no, no, this is this is what happens with us. This, this is just a bad discussion, eh? This, this is what happens. The uh, Swedish look good, but then again, you've got the Italians who are just sitting back and being Italy, gone, we didn't really need to do nothing here. You need to come at us. You need a result, mayor and us. And we'll just pick you off on the break. We've got Del Piero and Montella that can run. We, we, we didn't need... We didn't need to go chasing this game, and that's when the Italians are at their best. They thrive on that. Especially in tournament football. Eh? But then the, Itali- the, the Italians could have been one nothing done because Lundberg misses an absolute sitter. That, break- that- I, I, still didn't, I still can't believe how he actually put that by the post. It's almost harder to do that, Kev. <laughs> like, since I watched it back, the first chance the keeper kind of bundles it back to him, but that second snatch. I'm like, that's almost impossible to send that. Uh, it's not like he just sent it a wee bit wide. It was miles away. I don't actually know how he's angled his foot to make the ball go in that direction. It was harder to do that, Kev, than score. It was some bit of skull to put it by the post. Aye. It, was great, it was a great bit of skull to put it by the post. Like, so after that sitter, you're sitting watching the highlights again. And I remember watching the game at the time once. Obviously, the highlights jog things in your head in. and at that point you started thinking ah, the, the Italians are just going to nick one here and lo and behold they actually did so in the 30, 39th minute uh, Adele Piero corner and De Baggio headers it in at the near post now Marcus Hedman doesn't really cover himself in glory here where either he does does. Huh? either does someone else well, we can we can come to that, eh? <laughs> uh, Marcus Edmund doesn't really cover himself in glory. He comes off his line when he's got no really chance to come off his line. I think he can, I think he can actually see the Baggio getting the ball, and he's gone. Oh, I'm going to try and do something here. He just sort of he flaps like he flaps like a guy falling for a high rise building, really at it, eh? But as you say, the Swedes are playing zonal zonal marking. And whose zone is the Baggio scoring? Do we need to know? I hate saying it though. Yeah, it was Henrik's zone. It was Henrik Larson. What it was. But I'm going to stick up for Henrik Larson. He, 
who, who was picking up the runner? DiBaggio was standing there like all alone. He made he that run, not when he them. scored the goal, not when uh, he started. Aye, aye. But Larson's marking his doing what he has to do at yep. that near post. So whoever's let him run into that zone is at fault because I, I, reckon, I, I reckon Larson didn't even know he was there because Larson, yeah, jump, Larson jumps for the jumps to try and clear the ball and the ball goes across his head. So he's not going to know that the Baggio's came in, came in behind him. Eh? So, Absolutely spot on, Kev. I'm but, really glad you said that. I feel a hell of a lot better now. I know. You can't blame him. It does make him feel better, it does. Eh? I mean, I was annoyed in the, the highlights reel that it was that the the commentator actually says, oh, that was Henrik Larson's man. And I'm going, yep. no, it's not. No, no, no. You didn't care nothing about zonal marking. I listened to Gordon Stratton talking about zonal marking. <laughs> that, 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 wasn't it. that wasn't Henrik Larson's man. That, no, no, you're all wrong there. Uh, I, it was, the commentator was uh, clutching at straws, blaming Larson for that. And Big Headman kind of chucks a wee strop after it when the boy ends up in the back of the net as well, eh? Magnus Headman. See, we're going to talk about Swedish and uh, Celtic connections. You have to talk about Marcus or Magnus, whatever you prefer, Headman. He was rank rotten, Kev. I mean, he came with a bit of a reputation when he joined us. 50-odd caps. Absolute murder. Murder. I'll never forget the Bayern Munich game. That mm-hmm. one where he just watches it go in the far corner. He just didn't... He lacked the eye of the tiger, mate. He just didn't have... I don't know, he didn't have control. And you need to keep it... Like, see, Boric, who came in then shortly after, and even David Marshall, to an extent, as a 19-year-old, I felt were streets and streets ahead of where Magnus Hedman, a guy with 50-odd cats for Sweden, joined from Coventry, two million quid, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And I had a bit of a reputation, mate, as a good... This guy's a player. Oh, Matt Douglas overtook him again, remember? He did. I can't remember. I think they loaned him out. Honestly, I think they loaned... We ended up loaning Magnus Edmund out. That's I mean, it. It was awful. I never complained when we signed Hedman. Never, never complained whatsoever, because I thought... No, me by neither. The way, uh, by the way, we're getting a... We, we we're getting an absolute decent goalkeeper here, but he yep. just didn't seem to have. Look, I think he had the ability, but I don't think he had the mentality to play Stature. for to, to play for Celtic. Eh? Um, I, I, Celtic were the biggest club that he was ever going to play for, and coming from Coventry to Celtic's a massive difference. Uh, yes. eh? a, 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 a massive difference, eh? and I've, it's quite difficult to judge goalkeepers on their time at Celtic because he had quite a good he was still in the Swedish squad uh, at this point as well he made a couple of decent saves in this game um, I, I, some some players just didn't work it and Hedman was one sure. of them um, but again it's Martin O'Neill and goalkeepers eh? it's probably one of the things with Martin that he didn't pick a decent goalkeeper and, and did, he, did he not though I mean Rob Douglas to me was the best goalkeeper in the SPFL other than Kloss. You're not going to sign Kloss at that time, obviously. Aye, but Kloss was right? the highest fight. So that highest... was the best other, right? Magnus Hedman, to me, a Sweden international with 50, 60 caps at the time. It's not of like course. he's signing the wrong guys here. Mm-hmm. But it's funny that they all seem to flap in that Celtic team. The rest of the team seem to play above themselves, but the goalkeeper role, they all seem to play below themselves. 
and I'm sure it was you who raised this the other week, the best one of the lot was Sanchez Broto. I mean, he came in, he just seemed to, it was Tony and Laura talking about, it sorry. Tony and Laura, eh? Tony and Laura, sorry. And it was, uh, it was Sanchez Broto came in, and he said, he's seen his He was, maybe he didn't care, I don't know. But he just seemed to be not phased at all by this elevation from Airdrie or Livingston and then Celtic. He just seemed nonplussed by it, which the other two, Hedman and Douglas at times, we both know could do great shot stopping, but both of them seemed to flat when they came to the crunch. Let's be honest, they, they didn't have the, as you say, the, the mentality. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I switched to Boost Mobile and got a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Want to know the best part? Uh, it was free? Nope. The fact that it's on America's largest 5G networks? Nope. It's the ding. Oh yeah, love the ding. Right? It's all about the ding. It's the dingarooski, the dingarona, the ring-a-ding-ding. Unleash your power to save with Boost. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone when you switch. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. And the ding. Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think that, I think that was it. Uh, I'm not going to take the credit away for Tony and Laura for actually saying something. Sorry, oh, I don't know that was bad. I, I, I can't say, I, I didn't say, I didn't say anything sensible at all. Uh, <laughs> but, but I do wonder if sometimes Broto is looked through green tinted specs. I think there's a lot of revisionism maybe goes on there. And I, that, I mean, he could be playing Seville, if I remember correctly, because he had played in the UEFA Cup for Livingston. He played in the UEFA Cup for Livingston. Even saying that sounds utterly bizarre. That is bizarre. <laughs> That's how he couldn't play in Seville. Oh, um, I never even caught. Oh, wow, of course. Yeah, because so, they won the... the they won the, was the CIS Cup. Aye. I'm old school. I called it the League Cup. I still call it the League Cup, eh? So... Aye. So that was the reason that he... That was the reason he was cut oh, tight for... That, that that was a that was a, the reason that he was cup tied for the UEFA Cup final. We get to seventy seven minutes in this game, and the speeds are gone out by this point. The Italians are just they've shot. They need shot. to win, don't they? Uh, the speeds really need to win to have any chance. And by this time, the the result in the other games no gone their way anyway because Turkey are up. But then we get a moment of utter genius from. A, a, a moment of sensational genius from uh, Mr. Larson. The King of Kings. The King of Kings. Uh, the guy who used to cheer up every tournament for us uh, at this time. 
Uh, sub Kenneth Anderson, a big bean pole of a guy, inter- yep. uh, intercepts a ball from DiBaggio and he sticks a ball through. Larson makes a wee run and he sticks a ball through and Larson's got, like so many times you saw him with Celtic, he's got the acres and acres of grass in front of him bearing down on a goalkeeper. And the Italians do what the Italians Italians does. They stick their hands up for offside because that's just as what they do. And, and he was on. I must admit, he was on. It was David. Well, I, I can tell by your face that it's, it's maybe touch and go, but I think he's. Benefit of the doubt, Kev. If he wasn't, right, it right, wasn't his zone, it wasn't his zone, it wasn't his fault for the corner, and it was definitely onside. What, 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 let's just say, let's just say, VAR would have chopped it off. Well, VAR now would have chopped it you're off. You're just ruining it now. Just, Aye, you just to say that. Bec- it, it would have, bec- because of the, because of the new rules, VAR, v- VAR would have chopped it off. Anyway, he's bearing down on Toldo, who at this point is man of the match with three great saves. And he's gone, what's going through Henrik Larson's mind here? Eh? In, it's ice cold. There's, there's no panic. There, there's Nailed no none. Does he know what he's going to do? Yes. I don't know. Do you think yes. so? Yes. He decides early. He decides right. early. I think he's he's one of those folks. It's ice cold you talk about. The other way I would describe it is crystal clear. Clear mindset. He doesn't fluster. He doesn't he doesn't think about three different options. He goes, This is what I'm gonna do. And he does it. And remember, like I say, Francesco Toldo at that point is just about to join Inter Milan either that summer or the summer after. I'm not quite sure which one, but I think it was around £20 million at 30 years old. That's how good a goalie this guy is. Mm-hmm. This is named Mug. And Henrik's not played for a year, really. You know, he's been bedded back in at the Euros. He played 20 minutes coming on for Ayo Berkovic. He's had the worst injury you've ever seen in your life. And for being honest, I've never seen a light break like that in my life. Like, um, uh, truthfully, I was actually quite glad I was in Leon and didn't realise how bad it was until we got home a couple of days. A day and a half later. I, I never, we never saw any of the pictures of the papers or anything like that because we were travelling back for Leon. Eh? So we didn't realise how bad it was in the stadium at the time. And I have to give a shout out, Kev. There was someone on Twitter yesterday, the best tweet I've ever seen. Michael Moles is better than Henry Larson before his injury. I saw it. <laughs> Henry, like, like, he, get, he, is, he gets free popcorn off me every day, mate, if he wants to ever engage on Twitter again. That is what a class. But it was a reply. Henrik Larson was better with a broken leg than Michael Wills. <laughs> <laughs> That's too good. But yeah, the goal itself, the step over now, some people... Older than, than me. Well, no, actually, okay, I remember that first time round as well. The World Cup 94. Remember, I've told you this in School of Celtic a few times. Uh-huh. The, the tournament I got football, that mm-hmm. was my bug. I went, oh, God, right, this is my life now. Like, and it was. And I always remember a Henrik Larson, a dreadlocked Henrik Larson doing this drag over, very Dabor Sucker esque um, in the third place playoff. I think it was against Bulgaria. Yes, it was. I always remember that. He's then repeated the trick, but against far better opposition when Sweden were needing it as well. Remember, this wasn't 
they don't really know the score in the other game, Kev. They need to win. Mm-hmm. And he does a step over to go one way and takes it to the right. And as you just said, right play, ice cold, ice cold. And this is a guy coming back from the brink. And lo and behold, the following 12 months, he produces his best football ever and wins the European Golden Boot. Is it any wonder? And they also scores a similar goal in a cup final. Yes. Six, seven months later in the League Cup final when he rounded Gordon Marshall after running from the halfway line. Um, so it's uh, when you see the goal again, it's fantastic. And I, I remember going mental when he scored because he just knew that player's back. He's, he's back. back. Uh, he's back. This is this is going to be brilliant. At that point, we had disappointed Martin O'Neill as manager as well. O'Neill had yep. started on the first of June, and you've you've got you've appointed the best manager in Britain out with Arsene Wenger and Alex Ferguson. For me, I mean, and, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to. I've had folks tell me I was wrong there. No, no. Martin O'Neill was, no, the, first best Martin O'Neill was, so the, was the third best manager in England, uh, in Britain, when we appointed him. And so to see yeah. Larson doing that, again, looking back here like that, that was the moment you knew this could be good because we've got a decent manager for once and a talisman, a once-in-a-generation player has just came back has came back from the right. most horrific leg, leg break that, you, that, you, that you've ever seen. And he, and he does that on the massive stage. Yes. And there was something about Henrik that was like, he was such an icon anyway. And that's all about the look I suppose at first. And it's once you break him down and you start going, it's his character really. I don't care about his dreadlocks. I don't care if he shaved his head. See his character. He was hard as nails, mate. And he... Was very defensive about what Celtic contribute to UK football, what he contributes to UK football, and that those down south judging him on that or doubting him on that are bang out of order and are lazy in their journalism on it because Henrik was one of those folk who didn't need to do it on a rainy night in Stoke. To, uh, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He didn't need to do it on a rainy night in Stoke to show he was good. Could he do it on a weeknight in Stoke in the rain? And it wasn't the need to. He would park. He'll do it at World Cups, Euros. You, and Euro 2008, remember he kind of did that wee flick about mm-hmm. two yards out for the goal line. I didn't know it was a scuff. But see if you look at his reaction after it, there's a bit of enjoyment that he's done that against England. I'm telling you right now, he is hey. he's loving it. Henrik Larson left Celtic Football Club to wind down his career and ended up winning a Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That, that's all you need to know. Ah, he says, I'm going to wind down my career and go back to Sweden. He ends up winning a bloody Champions League. <laughs> then he ends up playing for Man United. That's some retirement too. Tour in, they go to the MLS yep. or, or the, the Australian League of Japan, he goes to Barcelona to retire. <laughs> Who does that? That's such a good way of putting it. Only a generational player does that. Yeah. I mentioned Martin O'Neill there, and Martin O'Neill yeah. was working for ITV in this tournament. And oh, they were cooking guys. He was working for yes. ITV in this tournament. 
And obviously, Martin O'Neill's first signing was Chris Sutton. Who was the player that he spotted in this tournament while sitting doing it for ITV? Who let the dogs out? Who let the dogs out? Big news. Who's? 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 (laughs) And basically, that's what O'Neill knew nothing about Yusufal Harden until he saw him in the first game against Uh, Belgium. Yeah, Sweden, of course. Then and, 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 and right away he says, "I quite like the look of that big fella." Yeah. And found out all about him. So that's right. So yeah, it, so, there it intertwines all over again. That's yes. a clever thread, Kev. And I don't that like when you up your backside, but nobody well else done. will. That's a very good thread, mate. That is clever. Nobody I'm else not join those dots. Mm-hmm. Aye, that's what because Martin O'Neill basically. <sighs> He started on the 1st of June and yeah. he, was, he had already signed up to do the Euros and I remember there was a big, massive hoo-ha about it. Oh, you need to be doing this, you need to be doing that. And Tommy Burns and Matt Reaper took the first couple of days of pre-season training until O'Neill returned for the Euros. Wow. Oh, do you know what's also very interesting? I just want to be side note. There's someone else who's just took his first ever coaching job Who's about to do the same thing? Mm. Scott Brown. Scott Brown. Scott Brown is about to be at ITV's. Whatever Scotland game is, they cover. I don't know if it's the, the, the game on Friday or the following one. But Scott Brown is on their list of um, pundits, which seems quite alien to me for Scott Brown to be doing that. Whereas Martin O'Neill, you knew he was born to do stuff like that, as much as he was a great manager. Yeah, he yeah, loved yeah. taking Gary Lineker, etc., to school. Yeah, you know, he yeah. was he was witty, he was sharp. Scott Brown though must be, as you rightfully point out, when you thought of O'Neill, then you thought, well, Matt Reaper shouldn't take a coach, and we need we need O'Neill in the job, we need him there. And I wonder what the Aberdeen fans make of Scott Brown's commitment to doing the ITV thing. And I wonder what decision Scott Brown made first. Jinky chose to join Aberdeen and then went, by the way, I've agreed to do ITV. Well, I don't or know. I've been given the green light to, to do that whilst accepting he's now a coach. Because he's he spoke quite publicly, sorry, just quickly, he spoke quite publicly about he's been involved in the recruitment side of things as well. That's it. He said, he says it's, it's really fascinating. He goes, I'm learning a lot now, player recruitment, etc. So... Nah, I'm, I'm Scott Bounds did to me you now. He plays for Aberdeen. Oh, I don't <laughs> say that. You don't mean that. Aye, no, that, that's that's until I mean I, I don't know. We're we're in the age of Ange now, so that's that's where we're gone. We're okay. in the we're in the age of Ange, and so that's where all our focus is going to be. But good luck to Scott Brown and, and his media career. But that's <laughs> but but uh, Martin O'Neill. Uh, Aye, he he was at the Euros, and I remember the big. I mean, we had the coach, we had like the backroom staff. So Tommy Burns came from the youth team, and Matt Reaper was an experienced player who had just retired. Ended up starting taking preseason training. I did not know that because because well, uh, Steve Walford and uh, Robertson Robertson didn't they come until the season start started? That's right. So, I didn't know Mark Reaper was that heavily involved, though. I didn't know that until today. They wanted Reaper to stay. Uh, obviously, Burns went back to the youth the Lennox Town team went back to that. But they wanted Reaper to stay as part of the team, but he went back to, he did go back to Denmark. Wow. So, so there you go. Yes. You're doing well tonight, Kev. You're on fire. 
Well, the, the project I've been working on for about two years is round about this period, so I'm quite, uh, I'm quite up, up. My knowledge of this period is uh, quite unbelievable. Um, so we may as well talk about Del Piero's goal to win it for Italy. What a peachy a goal this is, eh? eh the, the ball breaks to him and he rifles it in for the, the edge of the box. It's a, it's a classic Del Piero goal. Do you know what's so funny? Twice Del Piero scored against a team I didn't want him to, to score for, like or in a match I didn't want him to score for, and both times he's a bit of a reserve. I know. The Juventus four three Celtic game I know goes down in history, but let's be honest, they made a lot of changes that game. They did that four three game. Be... Oh, you know they did, eh? No, ah, they did. That, oh, they did. I know. Del Piero at that point was out of favour for whatever reason. He was not... See, in the 90s, I remember he used to destroy Man United and that. He used to torment them when he was 20, 21. And then he, he seemed to be one of those folk who got to 28, 29 and folk fell out of love with him. And then by the time he was 36, 37, he was getting told he was the best player in the world again. It's a very strange like cycle that... I think you see that with a lot of footballers, if I'm honest, that they go through, they get to their peak and everyone wants to grind them down or break them down. And then they get older and everyone gets nostalgic about them again. But the goal itself, a peach. Wow, yeah. effortless, mate. We say this quite a lot in this. We saw that we, we says this about Andy Tom's goal at Ibrox a couple of weeks ago. This is what nets are for. This is why nets are made to catch. They're not made to catch David Marshall, like he's a drunk lobster tangled up in a net. Eh? They're actually made. They're actually made to stop balls like this. So true. <laughs> uh, Killing somebody, like giving somebody a serious facial injury in the crowd. Um, aye, I mean, Larson and Del Piero in the same score sheet. I mean, you can't get much better than that. And when you go back to that 4 3 game, for me, I Lubel was the best player on the night, best player on the park that night. But it was, yeah, was. was closely followed by uh, Trezeguet because they brought on Trezeguet at half time. And he was one. He he, he was he was a he, was, he had a oh, fantastic forty five minutes. He was a joke. Mm-hmm. He was a joke. And again, Celtic connections always. Who was it that uh, watched David Trezeguet's like first uh, first team training session at Monaco? John Collin, because <laughs> he's playing with him. But John Collins played with Henri Trezeguet. Mad. There's more Celtic connotations. You know what I mean? Which is cool. I think um, I think as well with the kits, you were saying the Sweden kit, um, one of the nicest Sweden kits, which I've always liked Sweden kits anyway. And maybe there is a bit of bias because of Kenrick. Maybe there is. Who cares? I've actually but bought the that. the Italy one, though, superb. The first top i ever seen that had these sleeves that came down to the elbows as opposed to, mm-hmm. you know, like there. It was like the first sort of neat fit. And the reason behind it was, I read about this, so Kappa made the strips ended up Roma wore it, Tottenham wore it, Blackburn wore it. And the reason for it was because it was getting used in rugby at the time, Kev. Uh And it was the highlight of someone's pulling your jersey because it was made of this stretchy material. So the the point was, it's not going to let, funnily enough, what you would probably class as Italian defenders, (laughs) get away with their usual tricks because it was going to highlight more to the referee if a shirt's being tugged or pulled at. There you go. I must admit, it wasn't one of my favourite Italian tops, that Loved one. It. Uh, uh, the, the, as I, I've got the 
the Sweden top up the stairs. Have you? Aye, I have got that Sweden top. It's a bit, it's a bit tight on me. That's why I haven't got it on the night because I would, wouldn't be able to move. And next time I see you, Russell, I'll, I'll actually gift it to you because it'll fit you. It will fit you. Oh mate, no, it will fit you. Oh thanks, and that would, I would love that. By the way, I would. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all, every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. So that's uh, that's a spoke about the Euros, Henrik Larson. It's always great to talk about. It's always great to talk about Henrik Larson, Del Piero, fantastic football players. Let's talk about what everybody's Legend. here for the legends. Right. Legends. I'm going to go first. Right, you go first. You, you I'll tell you why. Because the guy you've chose is actually, I much prefer him. He's my absolute favourite. I want to do more of a, I want to do more of, let's talk about him more, right? But right. I went for Johnny Cash. Uh, the American album is uh, number three. Um, very briefly, I listened to the album twice. Again, like, like that's my usual homework. Dolby Atmos, remember I told you about the setting? Aye, aye. And forms the music. Um, I was a bit bored, I'll be honest to you, once I got the teacher it. What I will say is his version of one, the opposite U2 famous song, mm-hmm. is better than U2's. Definitely. And I don't know why, because Bono is clearly singing better notes or betterly singing than Johnny Cash. But Johnny Cash's directness uh, hits home. It's like, I don't know how he's doing that, but it's like it connects very, very well. It's like, it's really simple what he's doing, but also so real that you can't help but like get the wee hairs on your arm, you know, sort of stand up when he's talking about one love, one life and stuff. And I know that he did it's, the album when his health was... It's the, emotion, it's the emotion that he's got in the lyrics of the song. And he's, he's, he's transferring his emotion into those lyrics. For me anyway, picturing, as you say... As you see, he's getting to the end of his life. He's like he's reflective. He's re- yeah. refle- reflect. That, so he's he's singing it. it. He's singing it from a completely different perspective than what Bono was in the eighties when it got released. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. He's singing it with a different meaning, mm-hmm. and it's took the song on at this different stage. I emphasise to anyone: if you want to listen to a really nice, you know, you have one of those moments in life. We all have them emotional moments. One by Johnny Cash, is, for me, the the perfect B-side to uh, the Heart song, which I know oh, is the infamy. Oh. It's got the infamy, but I think one is up there uh, beside it as the B-side. Johnny Cash is a rock and roll legend. Yes. Bottom line, there's, there's no argument, there's no, there's no ifs, buts and mibbies. <laughs> Johnny Cash is a rock and roll legend. And it's a big delivery, Kev. See, sometimes everyone looks, you, you know, see if every rock and roll band was signed by Charlotte Church, the songs wouldn't mean as much. You can be on Adele. You know, you can't be, a, sometimes it's not about your singing ability. Sometimes it's about connecting with your mm-hmm. audience and connecting with the listener. And for whatever reason, right, right or wrong, he completely does that. Definitely. I mean... When you're talking about connecting with your audience, Richard Ashcroft, in the June of this year, released his first solo album, 
which was three years after the Verve went stratospheric with Urban Hymns. And did this album connect with the fans of the Verve, do you think? Don't care. It connects. <laughs> I, I think folks try too hard with that stuff. Like the Verve, I think the Verve's band vibe was they're a lot cleverer than Richard. Like, we're like really clever musicians. Like, just write a good tune, mate, shut up. You know what I mean? Go on with it. And Ashkov, to me, his solo stuff, oh, God. I could enthuse about Richard Ashcroft till the cows come home. Like, me and my mate, Matt Laird, we, we never called him Ashcroft, we called him God. That's the only truth about Gracie God today. That was, we went to see him between us, I mean, about 15 times together, you know. And he's just, for me, he's there. And it's great writing sentimental lyrics. Like in that album, there's plenty of Brave New World, etc. Um, I Get My Beat, which is my favourite. I love that song. Mm-hmm. But you know what's mad with Ashcroft is? He actually meant to when he was singing it. I think he's 27 years married to his wife now. He mm-hmm. wasn't taking the piss. Like, I'm sorry about the language. I just feel like he wasn't taking the mick. He was just... He was... Um, he was actually being true and honest. He wasn't just like giving you sound bites of all oh, that soul music, man. And he just—he's actually telling the truth. He's you just know, a big loving guy, you know. His wife actually played on this album. His wife, oh, Kate Radley, wow, played on that. Played on his uh, this album. Do you know the whole story? Who his wife is? No. His, his wife is a, a lady called Kate Radley, who yep. was in a band called Spiritualized. That uh, oh. I. And the Verve toured with Spiritualized and around America before they released uh, a Northern Soul. And Kate Radley used to be hearing me and Paul talk about Jason Pierce. Basically, Kate Radley was Jason Pierce's girlfriend, but she ended up leaving Jason Pierce for Richard Ashcroft. So there you go. What do you mean the album? Talk to him about the album. You obviously must have listened to it again. I, I love the album. The album's a, a far, far stronger than what I remember it being. Uh, it's, fast, uh, 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 it's far, far stronger than what I remember it being. I mean, you've got three songs on it. A song for lovers, which is a superb song. New York and Come On People Were Making It Now, which were all written, which were all written for Urban Hymns, but never made it on the ah, album. Ah, okay. Right? I didn't know, so, I didn't know that. There is, version, there is versions on YouTube of the Verve doing uh, Come On People. There is a ver- And I also think there's a version of the Verve doing Song For Lovers as well. So, so did you know his new album, or his latest album, it was a couple of years ago, is a song on it called Bugs Fly. Uh-huh. And that apparently is an old Verve song as well. And I can kind of hear it when you even his, it's obviously a different road he went down with it, but I'm sure that was meant to be a Verve song as well. And he well, brought what? that back. But come on, people are making it now. Wait till you hear this. Do you know that's Liam Gallagher's number one dream to cover? Is it? I can, I can picture Liam doing that. Imagine that. that. So right pick- before lockdown, Liam Gallagher was getting drunk going on Twitter. I've done it plenty of times myself, to be fair. Apologies to anyone I'm offended. But I mean, uh, like, he was getting, going on like two in the morning, just going, come on, people are making it now. And then it was like someone's like, "Why do you keep saying that?" And he goes, "Because I'm going to cover it, and I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring the beast out with that." You know, it was sort of words up to that effect. I think that could be right good. Like it could that could be. Work. 
it, it, could, it could be right good. I, I, I can actually picture him doing a great version of it. I can. I've always wanted Liam to do a version of Rubber Deep. No, no. I've come, come back. On you go, on you go. I forgot right. the song that I was so, going to mention. Just quickly, it's always about being relevant. So we always tie in Celtic players with uh, Sweden or Sweden players with Celtic or whatever. But it's important to do it in music as well. Now, New York, you brought up by Richard Ashcroft. Mm-hmm. What does he say at the end? Are you tuning in? It's a state of yeah, mind. mind. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he says at the very end of the song. That's you in. It's a state of mind. <laughs> and that, that song, by the way, is Gallas. It's a great... You can actually hear the verdness in it. And the song, Money to Burn, as well, sounds like spiritualised. And I always, ah, kind of, kind of, always kind of have a wee chuckle when I hear that because, uh-huh. I, know that, because I know that Kate Radley used to be in spiritualised. That's what I get my beat on it as well, doesn't it? Yes. I that get my beat still. for you when we see things through. That, is, yeah. that song to me is what I again. That's just him at his best, mate. Mm-hmm. I just think it. And you know what you forget? You're talking about this as like this post birth career. Richard Ashcroft at that point was 28, turning 29 years old. Think how young that is. And like, <laughs> that's the verb done with at that point. Well, like, what's that catalogue already? Well, Way Ashcroft, right? I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. going to disagree with. You. I'm not going to disagree with Way, Way Ashcroft. The song that I wanted Liam to ever cover is Proud Mary. I think you'd be great at doing Paris. Thank you, and you'd be fantastic. Anyway, back. So this is between Urban Hums, and this is two the two and a bit year between Urban Hums and this. So obviously, Ashcroft's got these songs sitting there, right? Yes. So three years ago, there was a reissue of Urban Hums, and I don't know if you ever listened to all the the interviews that went on. Way, urban hymns. So Richard right. Ash- Richard Ashcroft done one on uh, I think it was Virgin Radio, yep. and Nick McCabe and Pete uh, Simon Tong done another one. I think on the BBC, and the two stories of the album are two completely different versions. Richard Ashcroft will sit there all day and claim that Urban Hymns was his first solo album. He says that should have been my first solo album, right? right. And, and and he was claiming that the other two, Tong and, and McCabe, were saying the album was na- didn't sound anything like until they went in and polished a lot of it up and made that the album that. That was that. made that the album was. So three years ago they were releasing box sets, and in this interview with McCabe and Simon Tong. They start mentioning these songs that Richard Ashcroft won't allow them to release as extras on the box set. Wow. So he says, aye, there's whole loads of stuff there that we recorded when Nick came back in. And three days before the Urban Hymns box set is released, all all six of them appear on YouTube, right, by a guy called Star Sailor. So it's obviously Nick McCabe's fired them up, right? And the the story going about is these songs, the the six songs that if you search Star Sailor or you search uh, Jal Frazee, 
Beneverf. So all the songs have got strange names. There's one of them called Sweet and Sour. There's one of them called Jal Frazee. There's one of them called King Riff. There's I one did of them, not know this. There's one of them called Tina Turner. So they must have just had... Obviously, they just had pet names for the songs. And Pete Salisbury, the drummer, who always works with Ashcroft, has actually admitted that Ashcroft's tried to record some of these songs for his solo stuff and can he get it right? Because these are Verve songs. There's also a song called Oh Sister, which is one of the best Verve songs ever. It's never been released. So if you go on YouTube and search the Verve Jalfrazy or the Verve Sweet and Sour, you'll find I'm these six that, you'll find these six tracks. So it makes me wonder why Ashcroft these, didn't, these have never appeared on any Ashcroft solo album and they never appeared on the next Verve album. Yeah, what's the benefit? I yeah, what's know. the benefit? Because the Verve came back to his name, as you rightly point out. And Similarly, you would think if they, were going to, if they were going to see the light of day, if it's not been on one of, what, by that point, three Richard Ashcroft solo albums, then it would come on the... And the uh, Verve comeback album. Come on, the Verve. Similarly, the only one that was ah. close to make. Similarly, the only one that was close to making the comeback album was Oh Sister. That was that was close. That was close to being on fourth, but somehow it was pulled at the last minute. And Joe, you know, I always got the vibe that when they came back, they. I felt did it a bit for the money. I got the vibe that they weren't really committed to each other like they were before. I still think there were scars there that were just not going to heal. They were a band that don't really get on anymore um, and don't appreciate what's happened in the last decade. I think they looked at Ashcroft coming out in bare feet and thought it was pathetic. You know what I mean? Because there were loads of guys in bare feet at one point. And I can imagine McCabe and that being like music is power. They found it corny. I don't. I, I generally love it. But I can imagine them going, you used to be cool. Like you're not anymore. And I think those tensions always got the vibe were there. I never ever felt they were back together for good, even when they came no, back. No, no, no. I think and you uh, always had that vibe. Eh? When, when you hear then when the re-release Urban Hymns and you hear these two interviews about the same album and they're wildly different, it just shows you like it just shows you how the both parties in the band have got different perceptions. For me, these songs. I think they've, well, Salisbury says that he's tried to record them a couple of times, but I think these songs are not on anything apart from this, the, the YouTube leak because they, they weren't solely written by Richard Ashcroft and he would have to have paid the other band members uh, a royalty to them. Which is quite ironic considering what Bittersweet Symphony did to Richard mm -hmm. Ashcroft. Mm -hmm. And when he's got to fourth, I'll need to check fourth. I think a lot of them are written by Rashcroft only, and a lot of these, when you actually hear them, a lot of these songs are all jams which have been formed into songs. I think it was I, I, only over my head. I can only see Ashcroft being, which is all very funny as well, Kev, because you talk when, about songs being written by Richard Ashcroft. Sorry, I'm just going to quickly say this. Um, I always remember a famous quote recently by none other than Noel Gallagher. I don't need an army of songwriters like our kid, Richard Ashcroft, you name them. And Ashcroft put his first tweet out for eight years <laughs> saying, hey, Noel, what's that all about army songwriters? Go look at my song crediting. You know what I mean? Before you start that nonsense. And you've got his albums as him. What's the irony is though, Kev, and this is now me bringing things to modern affairs, no, Gallagher just released a song the other day 
called Flying on the Ground. Mm-hmm. It could be written by Richard Ashcroft. Right? <laughs> it's so Richard Ashcroft, it's unreal. But it's wonderful. I encourage people to listen to it. Um, but I just thought there was a bit of irony there. You know, you used to accuse him of army of songwriters, now you're singing songs that are in his style. Definitely. It's it's a very good song, <laughs> that song by Noel Gallagher. It is the way. But I think for tonight, the lost treasure is seek, seek out those six verse songs. Yes. It makes me wonder why Ashcroft was so determined that these would never see the light of day. Why? Aye, why? When they're absolutely fantastic songs. And why when they got back together was it still not mm-hmm. like a unification just to bring them out then? That's, that a, is weird. that's a puzzle because you've got because you've got for ninety eight to two thousand, these songs are there and they never appear until three years ago. Yeah, that's wild. That's wild. I could talk about Richard Ashcroft all night, Kev, to be honest with you. I mean I know, I know. So so could I, but I think Everybody wants to go and watch France v Germany. Yes. And and uh, producer Paul has got somewhere else to be as well. I'm surprised that he's not came in and told us that we uh, to shut Paul. up and move on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, everybody, thanks a lot. Hope you're all enjoying the Euros. I'm back tomorrow afternoon for the bulletin. Please subscribe. No, tell your friends. That, that's still a nerve. That's still a nerve. You don't do bulletins. You know, I don't do bulletins anymore. Uh, <laughs> please subscribe. Tell your pals. Um, do whatever you want. Calm down and see. Calm down and, and just be just be nice to folk. Okay, folk are no nice to you. Oh, be nice back to them. We're, we're we're here for a short time, no a long time. Eh, just calm down, everybody. Love that. Love that. Calm down, everybody, and see you later. Eh? may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust.
Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.